Yeah, and I, this is the heart of humanism, really, which is how I primarily identify in terms of my philosophical worldview, um, that we're the, we're the ones that we're waiting for. You know, there's no one coming to save us, and we're it. So um, there's no rescue plan unless we craft one. And the world we leave to our children is the one that they're going to inherit. And there's no, um, you know, backdoor exit. So I think it, it puts things in such relief, you know, in such stark relief. And it, ma- it makes you care about things in a deeper way. It's, it's hard to explain because I know a lot of Christians would say they care, you know, as much as I do about the world. And I believe them uh, to a point. Um, but, but I think until you've really seen the world from this perspective, um, Every, it's so precious, and I, I, I think I value it even more than I did before. Hey, everyone. We're back for episode two of Church for Atheists. I'm Michael. And I am Kumar. I'm not the atheist. I'm the pastor. <laughs> I think by now they know that. But yeah, so we are pretty excited to be back for another episode Hopefully you're here because you listened to the last one and you really enjoyed it. So you know what we you had know, some we had some really back. we had some really good um, feedback. In fact, people we have I won't say we've had hundreds of listeners, but we've had dozens of <laughs> listeners. Let's not put our stats out there. <laughs> I don't think that we're ready to do that. <laughs> like that's amazing. Like I'm like famous now. Yeah, totally famous. We're like rocketing up the iTunes charts. (laughs) I'm like that famous pastor. Like all I need is like skinny jeans now and a cool haircut. I've been trying to get you into skinny jeans for like 15 years and it hasn't worked yet. Aren't our skinny jeans still in? I think they're out by now. Who knows? We're in the middle of a pandemic. Nobody's going out. Well, so let's just pretend for a minute we are like in the church lobby. We haven't gotten and started church yet. Is that okay? That is perfectly fine. So I got to tell you the most annoying thing that happened yesterday. Can I just get this off my chest? What? It's so annoying. So Wait, we spent like the long... Is this your confession? No, no, no. This is just a rant. This is like before you walk okay. into the sanctuary, you don't want to like, you know, come in with a negative heart. So I'm trying to say stuff outside of the church before I walk in. <laughs> so you save all of the gossiping and the judginess for the lobby. I that, love it. Exactly. That actually is very, very much like reality. That is exactly how it goes. I'll tell you, there's two places where church members gossip, and that is outside in the lobby and during prayer meeting. During of all during they, prayer meeting, they disguise it as a prayer. Well, oh, I could totally picture it. You know, Did you know me. that okay. brother so and so is really having a struggle with porn? That's exactly right. <laughs> I've seen it for him. I've seen it for twenty five years. That's where I got like my good stuff from people. It was like, oh, so that's what's happening in the church. It's wonderful. <laughs> So I'm driving. Yeah, so tell me, what do you what did you want to get off your chest? Okay, no, I, I'm so mad. So I'm driving. Have you been watching how or reading how Taco Bell is changing their menu, and they're getting rid of like all the good stuff? Um, do you eat? At, do you eat at Taco Bell? I have not had anything from a Taco Bell menu in easily 20 years i do not oh my god. know what you speak oh my god. Okay. <laughs> like why are you eating a taco bell because i'm fat so... <laughs> i'm fat that's why if you want to know okay my name my that, name is okay i mean that's my fair. name is not jared okay so listen 
Um, Jared had go, some other issues. <laughs> that is true, actually. Uh, I was at Taco Bell last night with a family because I was like, hey, pandemic, let me treat you out to a really great meal. So we go to Taco Bell and we're in the drive-thru, we're ordering, and no joke, no joke, like three uh, or four items. The guy's like, I'm sorry, we no longer have that item. I'm sorry, we no longer, I'm just because they're changing and streamlining everything, right? So finally- and I know how you are with service providers. <sighs> I was letting Jesus come into out. my heart. So I was Double like, <laughs> finally, we're like trying to order something for our son. And I'm like, yes, two something crunch wrap gorditas or something. I don't know what it is. And the guy goes, oh, so, uh, you have to actually order that on the Taco Bell app. What? I'm in drive-thru. Hold, hold on. Wait. Reverse. You are in the line? I'm in drive-thru speaking to the person. And he goes, we can't order that. You have to order that through the Taco Bell what? app. And I was like, uh, I'm but I'm in line. Yeah. And, I, <laughs> and I'm talking to you. <laughs> I said, so if I were to like go on the Taco Bell app right now, will it be ready in the, in the next three cars when I go up? And he goes, well, you may have to do a circle and go through the drive-thru again for us to have it ready. Bro. What? I am not kidding. Like I don't even understand what you're saying to me. <laughs> exactly. So what if, no, okay. So do we think that he was just like a ridiculous employee or do we think no, that's like a new process? Truth. This is the truth. It was like a special only on the Taco Bell app right now because they're trying to get people to use it. But if I'm in line already, you it, should you, be able to enter it into the stupid register. You know how to make the, the gordita. Just make the gordita. Anyways. That is so I'm still stuck all the way back at the fact that you actually eat Taco Bell. I mean. Bro. So that's what really am I, not the healthiest approach. Well, you know what I eat at Taco Bell because, you know, I'm, I try to be vegetarian is a seven-layer burrito. It's delicious. It has beans and cheese and sour cream and avocado and guess what the one for your gut <laughs> the one thing that's like i eat they took off the menu so which is oh that that thing yeah yeah oh so, so that was the thing it wasn't a special order no 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 i'm ta i'm talking about two different things Ugh. what i like about ta forget it listen let's let's no, walk no, in hold on. no before you i have to ask did you did you ask for the indian discount i only ask for the indian discount when i know there's an indian who's at the register i so can i tell a story sure so some maybe a year ago i can't remember it, it, easily a year ago we had your son with us in the car <laughs> and we were driving around <laughs> doing an activity that will remain you know unmentioned and at the end of the activity i think we went was it it might have been chick-fil-a which as an aside I protested endlessly about drag going to Chick-fil-A. Okay. But we pull up into the drive-thru and he surely enough from the backseat of my car asked for the Indian discount when we were ordering and he got it. Yes. I was so outraged. I'm so proud of my son. I'm that so, is I've, outrageous. I've taught him. Well, you know what I, I've taught him over the years. Like if there's an Indian person, look, look we got to like support each other. Okay. So... Because Southeast Asians are struggling a lot. Yes. And if there's an African-American, I ask for a colored people discount. And I normally get it as well. So it's colored true. People. Okay. It's true. We should move on. <laughs> let, let us move into the sanctuary. 
of our hearts. Uh, I'm going to start with the opening prayer. Is that okay? Yay. Um, I found a beautiful, beautiful sentiment. Um, it actually comes from um, Sufism. It is, I'm sure you know who um, Gibran Khalid is. Have you heard of He's no. a poet, he's a poet uh, Islamic poet. Um, anyways, here's what it says. Between what is said and not meant, and what is meant and not said, most of love is lost. Say that again. Sure. That was too deep for me. <laughs> Between what is said and not meant, mm -hmm. and what is meant and not said, most of love is lost. I like that. Yeah, it's deep. You need to let it sink in. But yes, I I, yeah, you have to kind of let it sit. But it's really, it's really not. And it's kind of, well, it's almost, well, it's poetic. But you said he was a poet. So that kind of makes sense. Yeah. So I think it's definitely something for us to begin the day with, to be able to speak less, as Hamilton would say. Are you attacking me? <laughs> and to be speak able less. to allow love to flow. Yes. What are we going to do to allow love to flow during this podcast? Uh, I think to be inquisitive, curious, ask questions, and respect each other's opinions. And I will try to speak less. No, really hard you, <laughs> you, uh, we, your dozens of fans and listeners love hearing you. So I really don't like you putting a number on them. Okay. <laughs> I won't. I won't share what the total They're people, not numbers. <laughs> that, that's right. We care about you, listener. Exactly. All four of you. <laughs> should we stand for our opening song? We should. Well, so the opening song this week, actually, it's more than standing. If, well, if you do stand, you might start to shake a leg because it's okay. that kind of song. Oh. So, Are you, but, you're, cho you're choosing the song today, right? I, cho I am choosing the song today, and okay. I'm choosing it because... It's a song that I will tell you is on, and I'm going to leave you in suspense for a little bit, but it's on my shower playlist. Oh my God. Yes, I have a shower playlist. How and long is your shower that you're listening to a playlist? So this is the thing. So my shower playlist has eight songs altogether. <laughs> and so, no, it's very specific. So it gets updated with whatever songs I'm kind of into at the moment. So I have like my average shower, and don't judge me, people who love the planet, but my average shower is like 20 minutes long. What? I mean, if I'm like luxuriating. But for my, you know, kind of like get in, get out shower, that's like four, that's like four songs. And do I remember like, right? Oh, I, re I, I remember having dinner with you and your wife um, once and um, you guys were like, you both take showers twice a day. Is that, do you guys still take showers twice a day? Absolutely. How, I don't understand. Anyway, we're getting off topic. <laughs> okay, okay. We're here for the opening hymn. <laughs> yes, 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 and yes. So the opening hymn this, this episode comes from my shower playlist, not the hymnal, mm. and it's Beyonce's Black Parade. Oh. So, do you know Black Parade? Uh, no. Well, okay. I know Beyonce. I know Beyonce. That good. Everybody knows Beyonce. So you have to listen to Black Parade if you haven't yet. It is currently one of my feel-good songs. So it starts off my shower playlist before it goes on into other things. And it's a pretty cool song. You need to check it out. It's basically um, Beyonce's 
kind of ode to blackness and black people. Um, she released it a couple months ago on Juneteenth. And since then, we've been playing it tons and tons. And it just, you know, it's uplifting. So check it out. So let's listen to a, a, a snippet of it right now. Okay. Oh, I love Beyonce. She sounds a little angry in the song, but tell me, what is she exactly trying to convey here? So you see, there's a problem with the fact that you feel like she sounded angry. Why do you think she sounded angry? Well, okay, maybe I shouldn't use the word angry because that sounds, you know, that has undertones. It's problematic, yes. (laughs) How about about I say she sounds fierce in the song? She's always fierce. She's passionate. And yeah. what you, that sound that you hear and that tone that you hear in her voice is actually, it's a confident blackness that I feel like black people don't often get to freely exhibit. So that's what you're hearing. It's just, okay. it's confidence. I think black people, we often kind of make ourselves smaller to fit in society because people j- just like you right off the bat thought that she sounded angry. Mm-hmm. That's generally what, I mean, we kind of ha- we are constantly curating our external projections to mm. to avoid. So, so what does the yeah, song so- specifically speak to you? Like, why why do you think? I mean, what what is it about the song? Is it the lyrics? Is it you know what what it's is it? The lyrics and it's the passion. So it's basically mm. Beyonce talking about going back to the south where she's from and just kind of not altering herself, her appearance, and kind of embracing all of all the things that make make her black. So everything from like, you know, our ancestral history and, you know, slavery and everything that kind of, you know, black people have been through over the centuries to casual like cultural things like hairstyles and how she how she dresses and just kind of listing those things and all black people could kind of identify with them even if you're not from the south there's like a version of it that you can identify with and so it's basically just like a a celebration of blackness i love it speaking of celebration of blackness did you Uh just see in the news recently there was a professor who just came out saying that she's actually white but her whole life she's come across as black and she has been teaching black studies so i have probably unpopular feelings about this but here's but here's my i'm gonna push okay and i I don't even i don't i don't even believe what i'm saying but i'm gonna push to say it okay okay that is i know everyone's mad and obviously they should be mad because she's been masquerading as something that she's not but just the fact that she's been able to get away for 20 years and legitimately teach black history and black culture shouldn't we be able to also then accept the fact that other people can have an ability to explain and interject other cultures even though they're not part of that culture well i don't think that the issue is that people think that people who are not of a certain race or culture can't speak intelligently on it i don't think that's what it is at all so first of all i have to say my my opinion i mean clearly and she admitted it in her response but or in her apology i mean she says that she's dealing with some mental health issues Mm. that she absolutely attributes to being part of why she got there but honestly i feel two things strongly about this one i don't really care that deeply two i feel as though i mean if you want to be black that badly 
then be black. <laughs> that's that's fine. And actually, an additional thing. And thirdly, I mean, I feel like she probably did the best apology that could be given in in this situation. And I liken it to you know people who catfish. Mm. Have you ever watched the show Catfish? No, but I know somebody who was catfished in real Who life. was catfished? Yeah. So generally speaking, catfishes don't start off planning to catfish. Mm-hmm. And I could see if you blend some mental health struggles with, you know, you start off one day in an online conversation. You know, you have a, an affinity for African-American studies. So that's what you study. Everybody's entitled to that. And you have some expertise on the subject. And then one day you have an online conversation with a random person you don't know. They assume you're Black because of the content you had. You don't correct them. And then before you know it, like a year down the road, you've written a book. People assume you're Black. <laughs> now you're in deep. Because you know, it's kind of like, have you ever met somebody and like they said their name and you didn't clarify because it was a mumble. But now right. we're like three years into a friendship and you don't you know really their name. still don't know exactly what the name is. Yeah. I feel like that could be kind of how you get there. So and- you blend that in with some mental health struggles. And what you have is a well-intentioned hot mess. And what happens so, again, in church? I don't promote it, but, you know, whatever. Church, church is a beautiful place to do that because you never know anyone's name and you just call them brother and sister. And right, exactly. You, you get away with it, right? It's the worst feeling, though, because you feel like the internal panic and guilt of not knowing their name. So, but now you're just in too deep. I think it was probably three or four years ago, there was another um, a woman that came out um, as white. And she was a Rachel Dolezal. Oh, oh she has not come out as white yet. <laughs> she still thinks she's black. <laughs> well, I think something that she said that I thought was quite provocative is she said she's the first trans black person. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was I was trying to say that with a with a straight face, and but I think that's going to be a thing. That's going to be a thing. You know, a trans black. It's your 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 racial fluid. Like you can be whatever you want to be, depending on how you're feeling. The tr- so again, unpopular black opinion warning here. I honestly don't care. I think that, I mean, to a certain extent, I feel like let people be whatever they want. (laughs) I mean, Mm. if you want to be Black, I mean, being Black is not easy. So, I mean, if you're going out of your way to, like, Rachel, you know, bleach your hair to the point of no return so that it could look a little kinky, I mean, if you're that committed, (laughs) then, you know, I'm willing to give you a slight call it mental illness and let's keep it moving. So let's keep this conversation moving. So before we um, hear from the sermon, the word of the day, um, we need to also cleanse our heart, Michael. And in order to do that, we must confess our sins, confess our hearts, so we can come in and be ready to hear the good word. Stop rolling your eyes. I, the people can't see that. See, nobody knew I was rolling my eyes until you said it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which defeats the whole purpose of having a podcast. <laughs> that is that is true, but I want people to know. I want our listener to know you are rolling your eyes oh. in a very sacrilegious way. So my personality is sacrilegious. So let's, let's talk about confessions. Uh, 
Do you want to go first? I'm eager to hear. I, I feel like you live a much more sinful life than I do. So let's hear <laughs> what you have to say. Excuse you. So for your information, mine is not super sinful, but it's actually, it's fitting that you actually brought up um, because my confession is that I am sometimes more judgy than I really have the right to be. And this episode is perfect example because while I was judging you about going to Taco Bell, <laughs> mm-hmm. which by the way, I'm still judging you because I feel like there are levels to this. Mm-hmm. I must admit that this week, one of the days that so I'm supposed to be doing, I'm like on a protein shake diet. I'm trying to do intermittent fasting. Oh I God. tried that. I'm now doing like just a protein shake. And like this week has been such a rough week. And one of the afternoons this week, as I was leaving work and I was completely exhausted and totally over everything, I made an emergency swing into <laughs> the McDonald's drive-thru. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and 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 I when I go into my I I literally I get a large fries, Ooh. a large diet coke because extra, it's diet because extra, I'm gonna balance out yeah, the fries. Yeah, extra obviously. salty. Or do you get the salt? And, well, yes. And yeah. then and an apple pie. What? And I then proceeded to inhale it all. Like maybe it maybe took me seven minutes. (laughs) I mean, I was so ravenous. And then I felt so guilty. And then it feels really awful. And then you can't tell any of your friends because I mean, our friends are so uppity. Oh, exactly. You have to go to McDonald's. No, you have to find a way to like throw away that McDonald's bag even before you get to your driveway. But then your car smells like it. Yeah. So yes, and then I get home, and then I try to like before come I come inside, I go around the back the side of the house to like throw the bag out so that I don't have to like bring it inside the house. So yeah. 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 So that's your confession. But did did it feel good? Because you know sometimes when you sin, sinning can feel good. Did you feel good when you were? actually like oh, eating your mcdonald's really really good <laughs> yeah. so so now that i have confessed my sins to you i actually feel lighter a little bit and just so you know i'm going to sin again this particular sin is going to happen over and over wow that's but every time i, I do it i do feel slightly guilty i've never in all my years never heard you admit to eat mcdonald's so that's that's yep. a pretty big big thing that's a big one yeah so what do you have Mine is kind of weird. It's like, you know, for the last 20 or so years, you have like recordings of my sermons. So mm-hmm. you, I, I'm on record for saying all sorts of just ridiculous things, right? I am glad you're aware. And then <laughs> I like um, have written blogs for years and years. Now I'm doing podcasts. So everything's recorded, you know? And so your, your, your beliefs, your, your thinking change changes, but people still think think that you're that person from years ago does that make sense mm-hmm. but you make total sense so years ago when i was young and hip and like in like touch with what was going on in pop culture ah! i would i would look down at like all the old people and i was like how do you guys not know like who jennifer aniston is how can you be a preacher and preach contemporary in what's happening in the world today if you don't know what who anybody is you know like you know just and so yes. i remember writing a blog yeah, very judgy. <laughs> very judgy. And I remember writing a blog saying, old people, just spend a half an hour every day and watch Access Hollywood just so you know like who people are and you mm-hmm. can relate to like what's happening in like in pop culture. And over the years, I've kind of just 
backslidden. I don't know who anybody is. And so the other day I was reading, I was, I was checking like what was trending on Google. And there was somebody named, well, I didn't know it was a person. I just knew it was a name. It was, it said Dunkin' Donuts is now naming a drink after Charlie D'Amelio. I think that's the, the, how you say the last name. I have and no idea who that is. Really? I have no Ooh. idea who that is. Now oh, I'm feeling an internal sense of panic. You but should. I'm so excited. So I was like, what's a Charlie D'Amelio? Like, why is, what's a Charlie like, why is like, a Dunkin' Donuts naming a drink after this. And so I had to Google Charlie D'Amelio. I think that's how you say the name. And it's a 16-year-old girl, bro. It's a TikTok girl. She's the most famous TikToker on the planet right now. And what? yes, and she's like this just cute little spunky white girl that does dances on TikTok. And she has this, like, she has more followers on TikTok than anybody else right now. And so, like, I guess on, like, her videos, she always has this, like, Dunkin' Donuts drink where she has, like, a specific amount of sugar and cream and stuff. Mm -hmm. So Dunkin', like, named a new drink after her. So I, like, went downstairs. I was feeling all hip and cool. And I was, like, telling my kids, because I have three teenagers, and I'm, like, hey, y'all know that Charlie D'Amelio is, uh, and they're, like, oh, my God, Dad, you don't know what, who Charlie D'Amelio is? Like, ah, and they were, like, she, then they started showing me all her dances and how she's famous, and her sister, whose name's Dixie, is famous, and anywho, my, my point is, I feel really, really bad, and I am now confessing that I used to always judge people for not knowing who like Absolutely. Demi Moore was. And now yes. I don't know. <laughs> Demi Moore. <laughs> That's so dated. <laughs> and now I totally feel like a loser and I want to apologize. Well, you're better off than me. You just taught me something. I have no idea who this Charlie D'Amelio person is. Well, go, so, go, go to your teenagers today and be like, hey, what, what do you think about Charlie D'Amelio's like, dance? I don't know if they're going to know. Oh, they will. But I'm going to oh, test it. Okay, they I'll they, test they, it. They're so, not on TikTok. <laughs> so may God um, forgive me for that. Um, I'm, I feel you, very... Do you feel lighter now? I do. A little I, bit. I and I, I wanna like watch more of these videos of this kid. She's like a good dancer. Like for a white girl, she's like she got moves. Like I was like, oh snap. She may be like she may be trans black as far as I know, so I don't know. Well, we'll you know <laughs> <laughs> This is exactly why now you're living a life where you're afraid of all the things you've said in the past that are so you aren't any different. You're always I, saying something outrageous that is gonna I, get you in trouble. I know, I know. Disclaimer. It's, it, it These, is a problem. I mean, are simply Kumar's beliefs and not mine. <laughs> hey, let's now that we've cleansed our souls, let's get to the sermon for the week. Yay, sermon. Michael, we have our very first preacher for Church for Atheists podcast. How exciting is that? That is very exciting. I, I'm not sure. Are we going to be calling him a preacher? <laughs> well, let's... Well, let's well, find I out. Can I call it the sermon of the day? Is that what we're going to call it? Um, exactly. R Ryan Bell is someone that I've known for over 20 years. We were both pastors, um, believe it or not. And um, I, I actually still remember like one of the last times I saw Ryan, we were both at one of those um, church conferences where we were just going to try to change the world like 
in a year. And then like within that year, I saw like a CNN article or, and then started seeing all this news about Ryan um, thinking about becoming an atheist. And I was like, this can't be the Ryan that I know. And obviously I had to Google and I was like, I know that face. I was like, this is so sad. Ryan, the guy that I looked up to, the pastor who was going to change the world, this can't be. How's that for an introduction, Ryan? Guy, <laughs> That's a decent the, introduction, yeah. The guy that disappointed me. Right? Um, yeah. You, so, you're not, you so get in line. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome. We're glad that you are, are here. It's been at least five or six years since you um, had your experiment of um, kind of a year of, of questioning your faith. Um, yep. And then after that, you ended up deciding. And I remember it was like breaking news everywhere that um, your verdict was to leave the religion that that you kind of lived for and 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 grew up with. So, what's it been like since then? Oh, so many different things. Um, it's it's been a rebuilding. You know, it's been um, trying to figure out uh, a career. Uh, you know, a sort of a goal in life to shoot for. Um, I, you know, everything for me was wrapped up in the church and my role in it and um, that desire to change the world that you just referred to. And so it, it's been, um, it's, I can't believe six years has gone by, honestly. Um, so I, it's, been, it's been good. It's been healing time. Um, you know, losing a lot of friends, making a lot of new friends all kinds of different twists and turns in my career path worked at a brewery for a little while oh nice well, that's fun yeah i want to hear more about that <laughs> yeah we can talk about that we can talk so, about how being a bartender is like being a pastor oh okay <laughs> ah, no We're are you have... a good bartender <laughs> uh i was a i was a beer tender though i'm i'm a pretty decent bartender as well ah See, that's a well, career very, I can look into. <laughs> very, very interesting. Well, I, I, I remember that year when all this buzz was happening. I mean, the, a lot of things happened all at once. I mean, you lost your job. I mean, like you didn't get to like have that year to even think about leaving religion. The religion just kicked you out like pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, if, if I remember right, you were um, also teaching at a, at a um, theological school and they let your contract go. So I, I think there was a whole bunch of things that just fell apart in your life and one of the questions i've always wanted to ask you is do you regret the way that all it all happened do you wish you would have had a better way for it to kind of be a little bit more sy systematic and how it unraveled instead of how it kind of just came pouring down yeah i mean if i had been a little smarter i would have thought about a plan b career-wise a lot of the pastors that i've known over the years were you know, had a background in construction or they were teachers before or they, you know, had a science degree or something like that. And I was, you know, all in from day one. I was, uh, all my degrees are in theology or church leadership. And I think if I had to do it all over again and had a little bit more foresight, I would have um, thought about how I, I could prepare to make a smoother exit just financially but I don't have any regrets about, uh, about it really overall because I, I had always said, uh, in fact, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Monty Saline, you know, and I had had numerous conversations over the years about me getting out. Like I, I wanted 
space. Um, and I want to draw a distinction here too, between leaving the church and leaving my faith. So the two were distinct events separated by nine months to two years. Um, so when I was talking to Monty about stuff, um, it was about leaving the Adventist church or just leaving pastoral ministry. And he always convinced me that I could do more good staying in and um, change things from within. Um, and, and I, I, I believe that, you know, and so I was, I was in it as long as they would have me, I would say, you know, I, I, I said that I would stay until they wouldn't have me anymore. And a day came when they wouldn't have me anymore. And, and I left, and, but I didn't prepare myself for that. Um, and I don't honestly know how I could have done that. I don't think I could have gone to law school while still being a pastor without anybody noticing. Like, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. For me, and it may not be, you know, completely accurate, but for me, I think the difference between people who usually can kind of stomach leaving the church and being agnostic or atheist really are the people who are comfortable with the, well, with the unknown or with not having any particular kind of hope or, or accepting that, you know, at the afterlife, maybe life yeah. just ends. And that, like, so there are people I know that when I say that to them, they, I mean, you can see that they get so stressed about the idea that there's no afterlife. Whereas for me, it literally means nothing. I'm like, well, if you just die and that's the end, then that's just the end. I wonder if you feel that same way. You said you don't have a lot of any kind of big global kind of hope. How do you feel about that? Is it just neutral? <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, that's a great question because I've actually come even gone even further than that in my understanding. And I really feel the idea of eternal life actually minimizes our opportunity to live a full life. Um, that meaning and fulfillment and joy um, happens in the context where there's a great deal at risk. Um, and, you know, if you're playing a video game, for example, and you could never die, there's no real challenge to the game. Um, and of course, in a video game, you just start it over and play again, um, which is kind of the Christian version of the video game, right? Like you, right. you do your best, you die, you get to start over. Um, right. Maybe and, you get to start over. <laughs> but, I, but when you think about the things that you love the most in life or the things that you value the most, uh, part of that value is based on the scarcity of it or the uh, indefinite nature of it. And, and I think we need to be finite in order to live, to really live a, li a life as a life. Um, I'm stealing right now from... Um, from, from a book that uh, has become my very favorite uh, book on this topic um, by a Yale professor named Martin Hagland called This Life. I don't know if you can see that or not, but yeah, uh -huh. uh, I highly, highly, highly recommend this. It's called This Life's uh, Secular Faith and Spiritual Freedom. I, I didn't plan to do that, but you know, it's, well, it's, I'm getting um, <laughs> it's so good. I've, I had him on my podcast. You can listen to my interview with him on my podcast at Life After God. Um, but he really makes the argument um, so cogently that we cannot, any religious system that postulates uh, eternal life really is not living, uh, sort of advancing a full and, and a complete experience of life. In fact, Christians, just to use that example, um, when they when they mourn the loss of their loved ones or when they're fearful of death, they're actually living a secular life. Um, 
they understand intuitively that this life matters. Mm-hmm. And the idea that this life matters is a secular idea. Um, and it's driven by the idea that we, we don't have forever and we need to value the moments that we do have. You know, that, that reminds me of uh, kind of the, the religion of, of Sikhism. You know, they, they mm-hmm. don't believe yeah. in reincarnation or they don't believe in eternal life. They just believe that when I talk to my Sikh friends, you know, they're so comfortable with the idea that this is the one life that you have. Yeah. And, so, and so make it the best and do the best to care for others, be justice and, you know, and demonstrate love on this earth because this is the one and only chance that you have. And I think you are right. You know, there's, when you live with that kind of worldview, you're going to be the best that you can be because you don't get to start over. You don't get to put a quarter in the machine and, and have a do over again. Right. Yeah. And I, this is the heart of humanism really, which is how I primarily identify in terms of my philosophical worldview. Um, and it, Humanism to me means that um, that we're the we're the ones that we're waiting for. You know, there's no one coming to save us, and we're it. So um, there's no rescue plan unless we craft one. And the world we leave to our children is the one that they're going to inherit. And there's no um, you know backdoor exit. So I think it it puts things in such relief, you know, in such stark relief, and it make it makes you care about things in a deeper way it's, it's hard to explain because i know a lot of christians would say they care you know as much as i do about the world and i believe them uh to a point um but but i think until you've really seen the world from this perspective um every it's so precious and i i, I think i value it even more than i did before it's beautiful yeah, that resonates <laughs> it definitely resonates with me So one of the things that I love about having a sermon is that we get to do exactly what church people do, Michael, and that is we leave church, we go eat lunch, and we gossip about the preacher. Do we? Yes. Yes. I do. don't do that. Uh, give me a break. I mean, do not do that. I have I I've had so many people like tell me, "Oh, we were talking about your sermon after during lunchtime and how much we hated it." So, so I'm not saying that people don't do it. I'm saying that I don't do it. But I know I know of what you speak. I'm giving you a hard time. Because I have been at lunch after church with many of our mutual friends. And that is definitely the the main conversation that happens. I generally speaking, though, I'm always confused as to why people are, you know, taking issue with the pastor. Uh, speaking of the pastor, I love what Ryan said. I think I really, really appreciated how genuine, authentic, honest he was about his transition into atheism. Did you and... just say honest? With a hard <laughs> H? <laughs> like, what just happened? <laughs> but, but that's not the point. The point is that Ryan was actually really, really, he was, well, first, I mean, we were so grateful that he actually took the time to talk to us. Yeah. We know that we weren't able to include as much of our conversation in this episode, but just so you know, listener, I mean, we kind of talked about a whole bunch of things and we tried to capture the the most important things for you, but he was so inspirational. I, I love the fact that he was so practical about where he found, um, where he's finding joy and inspiration in life. And so I think that's something really important for people who are not church attenders to have somewhere that they can find, you know, something good in the world. So 
So yeah, so our conversation with Ryan, like I said, was truncated for the purposes of our podcast, but I think that Kumar has the whole thing over on his other podcast that I will allow him to plug here. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Your podcast? My other, other my other podcast is Concierge Minister Podcast, and you can listen to the entire unabridged version um, over there. But this is your favorite podcast, Of right? course. This is like, this is like real stuff happening. Exactly. 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 So I, I think there's, there, there's an issue where people often think that um, atheists are missing out on something, that they lack joy or that there's, um, you know, like I said to Ryan in the unabridged version, there's a God-sized hole in your heart. Um, and that you're missing something. So I thought it was really helpful when we asked Ryan, you know, where do you find joy? Where do you find happiness? Um, Because as Christians, we would say, that's God. I find joy through Jesus. And I really appreciated him being able to articulate where he finds meaning in his life. Absolutely. No, and I and I think more and more people need to to hear that because it is one of, you know, as, you know, someone who is a non-believer, it is a question that you get often. Quite frankly, one of the most annoying questions I get is, well, well, how do you know how to be good if, you know, you don't believe in God? And it frustrates me so much because I am of the belief that we're all good and we all have good in us and that's like our our you know natural nature and in addition to the fact that good is relative but that's a side mm, point that's, um, that's, so i think that's that really... you know without i mean not believing in, in jesus or believing in a god has not at all changed my moral compass so and i think that he kind of put that in a really nice way that was was good for people to hear yeah, so, yeah. that's good hey it's time to take up the offering Offering time. And for offering, we have to find some way to pressure people into giving offering. You know, like there's some churches that have like, you know, they make it so you have to come up front. So like yeah, pew by yeah. pew, you have to like oh, come oh, up. Oh, no, no, no. Listen, this is the best. I was at a church recently, like pre-quarantine, where yeah. there's four pastors in the church. And at offering time, each pastor stands like in like an aisle with the yeah. offering. And then the church members have to walk down. They have to like do the walk of shame all the way down, <laughs> put money into the offering with a pastor like glaring at you. And if you don't like come down, you didn't bring anything to the Lord this week. Like that is good stuff, bro. I mean, that is the whole thing. It's such a racket. It's a pyramid scheme. It's like <laughs> a shakedown. It totally is. But I mean, like people, you know, you know, I mean, when we can talk on another episode about how I feel about people demanding offerings and or tithe. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've been yeah. a part of some very, very irritating conversations about, you know, hearing church leaders, you know, kind of specifying what people should be all paying in tithe based on what they're making. Which, yeah, I, you know. yeah I, w- I would just argue and say that that is biblical. But, you know, for somebody who doesn't believe in the Bible, I suppose, you um, know, Sure, lots exempt. of things are biblical that I feel like we don't carry on about. So you let me decide how much money I'm going to give. That's, that's fine. The more I think you ask, the less, the less I'm going to give. <laughs> I, as someone who tithes, and believes in tithing, you know, just from a biblical perspective, I do think that there is a difference between tithing and generosity. Like, I think you should give generously on top of what you tithe, like speaking from a Christian. But I do agree that there is a shakedown. In fact, I was at a church 
several years ago and they had a guest speaker and then after the speaker spoke there was a song and then they took the offering and then the pastor came up and was like folks we have a certain amount that we promised this, this guest pre preacher we were going to give and that is not enough in the offering plate so we're taking another offering right now and <laughs> <laughs> not good enough people get us together dig deeper exactly like find a lint and we'll pull it out i loved it i loved it i loved that it that is awful but all yes. right so one of the things we're doing in our offering segment is um, both of us are sharing what we want to invite our listener to give towards. If you're looking to give generously towards something, both Michael and I are, have somewhat vetted an organization. And um, we also have made, a, have made a commitment to also make a contribution this week to that organization. Do you wanna go first, Michael? I can go first. So okay. my offering this week is to the Human Rights Campaign. Um, it So I have been, Supporting the human rights campaign for a super long time now. They basically promote, um, they do a lot of advocacy, advocacy for the LGBTQIA community. And so I am very much in, in support of all the work that they do. What they're also doing right now as we're, you know, in the at the end of summer and, and getting into election season, they're also doing a lot of work around helping people find out how to register to vote in their state. So that's an added thing that they're doing. Um, so they do a lot of good work. Their website is hrc.org. You can go, you could set up a one-time donation or like I do, you can do an ongoing recurring donation. It could be $1 to how much ever dollars you want to give. Um, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Um, and then you can proudly sport your um, HRC equal sign on your car like I do. And I will tell you that I am not a bumper sticker kind of guy, but I love having my blue and yellow equal sign um, on the back of my car for HRC and it's a magnet. So actually not a bumper sticker, a bumper magnet. And so, so you should definitely check it out. So let me, let me ask you, every time I see those equal sign bumper stickers, does that mean that people are giving to HRC? I, that's a tricky question. I mean, I would imagine, so you only get them if you have donated. Now I will say that every time I, every couple months or so, I will get like some extra ones and I will oh. hand them out to people. So it is possible that people just have them on there, but more than likely the hardcore people who are sporting them on their cars probably did donate. So join the cool gang, donate. Well, I, I think that's interesting. Um... I'm not one to put bumper stickers on my car. I actually read a study a few years ago that said people who put a lot of bumper stickers on their car tend to be very aggressive personalities. So <laughs> I think that may explain a lot about you as well. How many bumper stickers do you have? Just literally one. I am oh, okay. anti-bumper sticker. And that's why I'm telling you, you should give to HRC because I do not go around putting bumper stickers on my car. Okay, sounds sounds good. For me, um, the organization that I want to um, commend and recommend is Kinship International. Um, interestingly enough, we, you and I didn't plan this, but we're um, both supporting um, LGBTQ um, organizations that I think are uh, making a huge difference in this world. Kinship International is a Christian organization. Uh, they are the lifeline for many Christians who are unsure about their own faith and wonder, like, can they be um, experiencing the life that they have and still be a Christian? 
and it's a safe environment for them to be able to really kind of um, dig deeper and, and participate in, in, in that in that worldview. So um, I serve as the unofficial unpaid chaplain of Kinship International. Why do you have to say unpaid? <laughs> You're giving up your time. I, I am, but you know, when I, whenever I actually say to people, oh, I'm the chaplain of Kinship, the very first question people say is, oh, are you paid for that? So I'm just wanting people to know that, you know, I'm, I'm not paid, but um, I'm definitely um, a supporter of what they do. And if you want to make a contribution, they're a nonprofit. You can give to Kinship SDA, Sam Delta Alpha, kinshipsda.org. Bro, I felt like we did a, a, this was a great episode. We have to have our benediction though. I, I know, but I just wanted to say. Oh, before we're done, you want to say that? Yeah, well done. Okay. Well done. Benediction. Let's have our final word. So what's the benediction exactly? Benediction? Yeah. Like, oh, we don't need the accent. Just tell me what it is. <laughs> what does it mean? The, <laughs> so, you know, the benediction is like, let's start with the invocation. Like that's the opening prayer, right? So the invocation mm -hmm. is to evoke, to bring in, to call upon God. The benediction is a sending away of. So it's basically We're sending God away. No, you're saying now that you've, God has come into us, God is sending us out into the world. Oh, he is sending us out. Okay. Yes. It's not that we're like, okay, now we've invoked you. Now we're done with you. And now we're sending you away. Okay. Exactly. You God. are, you have taken in the presence of God in the last hour. And now you're going to go out and be God's living word. Oh, good. All right. We can do that. So the benediction for this episode, I think there were some cool things that were highlighted. One, talk less, listen more, let love flow. That was a good message at the, at the opening. Then live your authentic self and find ways to celebrate your, you know, your true self. So for me, Black Parade and Blackness and being fully embracing of who I am that's definitely something I'm taking away this week. I think from Ryan, find beauty in the world. And there are many places to find beauty and inspiration outside of religion. Um, and continue to give. And remember to register to vote. So those are all the things. Those are some great highlights. I think that's good nuggets that we can kind of take into, you know, into the rest of the next couple of weeks and incorporate into our lives. So I that's my that. benediction. That is great. It's a beautiful benediction. Now that our benediction is done, it's time to give you guys a couple of reminders. You know, feed our egos a little bit. So remember that you got to share our podcast and like it wherever you need to like things and write reviews wherever you need to write them. Write them on. Hit the word subscribe. And you can also contact us by sending us a, a little um, voice memo at churchforatheists at gmail.com wonderful so do all that and we will catch up with you next episode bye bye, -bye.